What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a new episode of Phoenix Down. This is episode 41.0. And uh, we are continuing our year of the gear with um, the final full game until Metal Gear Solid 5. We are covering Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Um, and uh, with me, as always, we have Matt. Hello, friends. And so, yeah, uh, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, um, originally a PSP game, um, uh, released in 2010, I believe. Is it 10? I don't remember if it was 8. I thought it was 8. Is it 10? I was still living with Alan at the time. Yeah, April 28, 2010 was when that released. So about five years ago, um, which is crazy to even imagine. Would that have put portable ops around eight? Oh, oh wait. Uh, yeah, that was when portable ops. I believe. Let me check out portable portal portable ops released in two thousand six. Six. Oh man, I didn't realize there was that much time between them. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, portable ops. Um, was the original PSP game, and then they made a, which is part of the the canon. They 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 Kojima has came out and said, uh, which we did not play, um, but uh, we did play. We are playing Peace Walker, uh, and I'm playing the PS3 um, version that came on the HD collection. Yeah, I had a strong desire to go back and play it on the PSP, both. Because that's what it was designed for, and also because my PSP has not been turned on in quite some time now. Yeah, same for me. In fact, we'll just go ahead and get into our history with the game. Uh, I played this game the day it came out. Um, Me too. In fact, I did not own a PSP until this game came out. I own the Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker Edition PSP, the one that has camo on it. Um... And uh, this was the first game I played on it. Um, I don't really remember much of it. I remember, I remember wanting to play it pretty, pretty badly, um, and uh, there was a like I played solo for the for for the most part, um, but I did go over to my. Well, I was still living with my my roommate at the time. And I uh, had a couple of buddies who played it, and we did the whole ad hoc thing of um, playing with each other. You can play co-op in this game. And we we did particularly the Monster Hunter levels of this game. That's right. Uh, they had a collaboration with Capcom and threw Monster Hunter monsters in this for you to hunt and fight <laughs> as Snake. That sounds awesome in Japanese. Yeah. Um, but that that's that that's a whole separate thing altogether. Uh, but yeah, I did play this when it first launched. Um, Can you still capture people and earn money and do whatever in those levels and have it transfer back over to the rest of the game? Uh, no, that was just like a separate mission, like you like kind of like the boss missions that you go into, like continue in the next chapter or whatever. That's kind of like uh. You're going to select fight this monster 
And that's all you're going to do is fight that monster for that battle. Um, it's, um, I think there's like four or five in the game. I can't really remember. Uh, and then there's a whole separate like mission list of stuff that you can do, uh, co-op. And I believe the stuff transfers over. It's been a long time. I don't really know. Um, well, I'll say this early. I think we should definitely get some co-op time in. Sure. I'd be down for that. Um, but the yeah, so that's that's kind of like my history of the game, Matt. I, I'm taking it. You're about the same way. Yeah, about the same. I mean, I I had bought a PSP on day one, so I had already had it quite a long time. I mean, I was I was mentally prepared for the PSP before it came out. I it was super dorky, but I had a uh, a cardboard printout. Like they had come out with a you know. Print this out, and this is exactly the size of the PSP. I think I had gotten it was like a cardboard thing when I pre-ordered it or something. So I had a little cardboard version of a PSP that I would I would whip out around this one guy and always pretend I was playing it just because it hadn't come out yet. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I was ready. I got the PSP on day one. I got Portable Ops on day one and put a buttload of hours into Portable Ops. I love that game. I must have put. 20 or 30 hours into it. I mean, I only got about halfway through the story, but I I just got borderline obsessed with collecting these people in this game. Uh-huh. Probably, probably one of my my biggest obsessions with the PSP, the most fun I've had. Um, you know, it was just the way that I'm playing Metal Gear, but I'm not playing Metal Gear the way I'm used to playing it. Right. You know, it's a totally different beast. And I loved it. And then I had a little bit of a dilemma when Peace Walker came out because I was ready for it. I got Peace Walker on day one. I booted the game up just to see what it was like. And then I was like, well, I can't really justify playing this when I haven't finished Portable Ops yet. (laughs) So I played two, three, four hours of Peace Walker. Put it back in its case. And then, you know, I never touched it again because I never finished Portable Ops. Yeah. The uh, I'd never touched Portal Lost. I've I've, I don't, I've never even seen the game played, but um, yeah, I'm about the same way. I played probably about four hours. I'm a little bit. I'm right before where I stopped originally on the PSP, um, mm-hmm. where we're gonna stop for this recording. Uh, but I I I I did play a good amount of it. That's the thing. It was this whole meta game of. Getting soldiers, because see, on the PSP, you could, um, like, log in to a um, to a Wi-Fi spot, and you would get soldiers. So, yep. so, so they they wanted you to travel to to different places to connect to different Wi-Fi spots, and you get free soldiers. This felt very Nintendo to me. Yeah, because when this game came out, I had never played a Nintendo or had a handheld Nintendo. But I had always heard about that type of thing happening, like you leave your your DS or your Game Boy in whatever mode, and then when you encounter someone else, something pops into your game. Like that seems like a very Nintendo thing to do to me. Yeah. And like- also this game sort of collecting these people, sort you know, I've still never played a Pokemon game, but I imagine there's some sort of collect them all, is that I don't know if that's at all like collecting these people. Yeah, kinda. Um 
the, you, you most certainly use your Pokemon more than you use your soldiers in this game. Hmm. Pokemon are essentially your party members. Because this almost feels a bit like the dichotomy you get in the Persona game, since we were mentioning those today, where you've got like one section is gameplay, the other section is social engagements. Right. Here, you know, I I honestly spend probably just as much time in the base as I do in the missions, because the missions are short. Um, you know, but they're so different. You know, the time you spend in Mother Base might as well be a spreadsheet for all the interactivity you have with it. Yeah. But it's awesome. Yeah, I'm I, I I'm still addicted to it. I'm still I, I will do those optional missions just because oh, I can I can fault and recovery these guys and, and send them back to base. I will tell you that's much easier than it was in Portable Ops. If I remember correctly, and it's been a while since I played Portable Ops, but I remember in that game, I think once you knocked people out, you had to drag them all the way back to your truck or your van and, and then load them into your van. So if you knocked somebody out halfway across the map, you had to drag them halfway across the map, and you know how slow he goes yeah. when he's dragging somebody. So it seems... You know, if if my progression is real, you know, the way I'm thinking about it, it very much took that process to like, this is fun, but it's a pain in the ass. Let's just streamline it and use this balloon to yank them up into the sky instead of dragging them anywhere. So (laughs) it's just as addictive and way easier to manage, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I I had a little bit of issue, um, I believe, aiming and stuff with the PSP version. In the PS3 version, using the analog stick, man, that that's just—I mean, it's smooth as butter. I—I yeah. I, I think I, to me, and this is just me talking. I think this is the best playing Metal Gear game I've played. Yeah, and that carries over into the CQC. Yeah, you might complain that it's a bit simplistic here, but holy crap, it actually works. Yeah, like this is like the only Metal Gear game where CQC is useful, and I'm not going to mess it up. Fifty percent or more of the time that I try it, yeah, it's um, it's well done. I think it's great. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about Ground Zeroes um, after this, but you know, Ground Zeroes plays like a shooter, like like how how you imagine a third person shooter playing. That's how it plays. Um, but this one I think is fantastic. I think it, I think it controls perfectly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so. Let's jump into the story a little bit. Um, this game takes place in 1974, uh, which is two years after the Les Enfants Terribles uh, project happened. Uh, and if anybody remembers correctly, uh, we, Snake finds out, or Big Boss finds out, that Zero and um, Paramedic took his DNA without him knowing and have cloned these two kids. And when he found out about that, that was kind of like the last straw. I'm not with you guys anymore. You are insane. I'm leaving. So he left zero and the Patriots in 1972 and went off to form his own faction. Uh, and, uh, I think in late 1972, he met up with a man by the name of Kazurai Miller, uh, who will later be known as Master Miller. 
McDonald Miller. <laughs> um, and uh, they formed uh, something called the, uh, was it M- MFS? MSF. Which, yeah, Military Without Borders, basically. Yeah, Military Without Borders, um, which is basically a mercenary group. Now, what were you saying, Matt? Oh, just Sans Frontiers. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, French it's, or something, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and they have been slowly recruiting guys. Um, they don't really necessarily have an army, uh, but uh, they have been struggling a little bit trying to find recruits and trying to um, actually get a footing for this uh, for this new group. Um, and uh, in 1974, um, particularly in November of 1974, uh, Snake and uh, Kaz um, have uh, two visitors come to their uh, base, I guess. Um, uh, one of them, uh, being a man, uh, God, what the hell is this guy's name? Uh, Ramon Galvez, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, with him is a young woman by the name of, uh, Paz, um, Paz being, I think 19, did he say 19 years old? I can't remember. Was it 19? I thought it was more like 16. Is it 16? I can't remember. Um, She's still a teenager. She's a very young girl. Um, And uh, Ramon uh, is uh, telling Snake and Kaz that there is an issue going on in Costa Rica. Uh, And uh, what is happening is is that a military group has... uh, pretty much taken over they're 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 moving in they're bringing in troops they're bringing in equipment and they don't know why uh they're 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 really afraid uh that this could be something really bad um and he's believe he believes that the cia the united states is has something to do with it la cia, um, la CIA. and <laughs> like the way they use words in this game is very strange compared compared to the other Metal Gear games, and I think the reason why is because it's all in comic book, so you 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 don't see like their mouths or their facial expressions or anything like that. You kind of have to imagine it uh, through the pictures as well as how the voice acting is is transferred. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's interesting how they kind of like they they almost a little overact in this game just a little bit. Um, but I find it interesting. I know you said portable ops had the comic book style cutscenes as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, I actually like this. This is, it's kind of cool. Um, and, and they're really well done too. Um, but yeah, this, this whole cutscene, um, they're talking about that. There's a, the military company, coming in to Costa Rica. Costa Rica has a treaty that says that they cannot have a military. So there is nobody to push these guys back. Um, and so they are hoping 
that Snake and his uh, band of mercenaries would come in to basically be their protectors. Um, Snake and uh, Kaz. Kaz is really wanting to do this because Kaz is like, we need to expand. We need to find a place to start a base for real. Um, and this would be a good opportunity for that because uh, Ramon is promising um, a, a offshore base that they can use as their operations. So this could be this could be a great place to start. Yeah, anything's better than the beach they're standing on in the beginning. Yeah. So, but Snake's all reluctant about this. He says something's fishy about this. He doesn't he doesn't feel right about it. And so he tells them no. And they they both go outside in the rain and and wait in their car. And then you know Snake's like, are they still sitting there? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, all right, come back. I want to talk to you. And he has this thinking. He has the 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 feeling that Ramon is not really who he says he is, because originally he's supposed to be some type of a diplomat from Costa Rica. Yeah. Come to find out, he's actually ex KGB. He comes clean about that, and he says, "Look, South America, after the Cuban Missile Crisis, it is a huge thing for both." people of the cold war the united states really wants it the kgb or the, the 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 communist russia wants it soviet union and we're trying to keep peace here but at the same time we don't want to give up this land but we don't need the united states figuring out that the soviet union is behind stopping the CIA from coming in. That's why we're going to use you. Snake then realizes, well, if I side with you guys, I officially am an enemy of the United States, my old country. And he's like, well, I don't know about this. But then he agrees because of two things. One, Paz, the girl that's there, she was originally captured by this group uh, in Costa Rica uh, along with another person and they were both tortured. She was able to escape and she, she goes into this whole big spiel of, you know, what they did to her and how, what horrible things they did to her. So that makes snake want to do this mission. The other part is that pause was able to get a recording and, um, or no, it wasn't Paz that got the recording. Uh, somebody got a recording. It was like a bird watcher. Yeah. Got, a, got a recording of, uh, two people talking. One of them being the voice of the boss. Snake's old mentor. The woman he killed. Yeah. And they and Ramon has has confirmed that it is a one hundred percent match to the boss's voice. So Snake's like, "What the hell?" I purpose I, I you know personally put a bullet in her head, and she's alive in Costa Rica. So he agrees to the mission. That seems reason enough. I mean, it's uh doesn't start off. 
save the world ish. But you know that that seems as good a reason as any, considering it was sixty four. Yeah, ten years ago. So, uh, cut to was it six days later, in November tenth of nineteen seventy four. Big Boss is um, moved into Costa Rica. And um, begins uh, his mission of um, first trying to locate some uh, resistance people. So while they don't have a full-fledged military, there are some uh, people who um, have been fighting back, kind of like guerrilla warfare. And he is supposed to meet up with the commander of this, um, this group. And hopefully get some more information of who these people are that's that's coming in and what they're trying to do. Let me see here. I'm I'm, I'm doing this by through memory, but also I want to go by back and look at the wiki because the wiki does a really good job of actually putting all this together. In fact, I'll just read it. Um, having left his military career in the U.S. behind him, Snake, also known as Big Boss, founded the Militara, Military Sans Frontiers uh, and stationed his troop on, uh, in Colombia. Uh, during a combat training session, uh, Subcommander Kazra Miller returned to the base camp with two visitors. Uh, Snake and Miller then met with the two guests in their office, uh, uh, d- d- uh, a distinguished scholar of the Costa Rican government and his student Paz were seeking the MSF's help in repelling an unknown armed force that had entered the country. The local authorities had claimed that they were a multinational security firm hired by the Developmental Corporation of Costa Rica, though Galvez believes this to be false because of the advanced weapons and, and equipment hinting that La CIA may be involved. Uh, Costa Rica itself is unable to bear arms due to its peace constitution. Uh, Believing the military force is unlikely to solve the issue. Uh, Snake were not simple dogs of war. Snake is reluctant to accept. Uh, Let's see here. Paz had been captured by a mysterious security company near a supply fort. Uh, while searching for a lost friend, she was subsequently imprisoned and tortured, though she was later able to escape. After describing these events, Big Boss um, says he would do it for her. Uh, further discussions, uh, Miller expressed a view. He was actually working for the KGB. Here we go. Having concealed any KGB affiliations from Paz, Galvez played back a tape cassette that her friend had recorded prior to their capture. Snake was shocked to hear the voice of supposedly deceased mentor, the boss, to which Galvez confirmed from a voice print analysis. Uh, Galvez threatened to burn the tape with the cigarette lighter from his prosthetic right hand. Snake finally relented, though he claimed he was doing it for Paz. Okay. So uh, we uh, take over a snake going through different areas. So that that's one of the things I do want to bring up because I, I we talk about Monster Hunter and how there's Monster Hunter enemies in this game. Um, this game plays out a lot like a Monster Hunter game where 
you you're in kind of an open world in a sense and you go to different areas so you'll go to the border of an area and you'll automatically go to the next area so you go to area one then area two then area three but you can always go back just like a monster hunter game it's interesting how they handle that did was was that how it was in portable ops or do you remember matt yeah i think it's pretty much the same structure okay So, uh, on his way, um, to the area where he needs to, to meet up with it, it's called the Sanandisa, Sanandista gorillas. Um, he runs into a, um, kind of like a small, um, base or not really a base, but like a, kind of like a checkpoint, uh, where he, um, runs into a, a man, who, who is obviously with the enemy, um, and he is able to uh, shock him with his stun rod. Uh, but he notices that uh, the guy's wearing um, these tags uh, the, that um, detect uh, radiation levels, and there's tons of them in this area. Uh, and it, uh, before that, he hears the guy on the radio. Um, talking about uh, a shipment of spears. Uh, and Snake and Kai's both come to the conclusion that they're talking about nuclear weapons, nuclear warheads. So this mission just got turned up a notch. Uh, very much so. If the enemy really does have nuclear weapons, shit's about to go down. And, yep. and we need to stop it or figure out what the hell they're doing. Uh, this is a huge violation of uh, a treaty um, in, by Costa Rica, which forbid the use, storage, or transport of nuclear weapons. And if either side of the Cold War found out about this, it would become a huge incident, and somebody would be somebody'd start pointing guns at each other. As far as the Soviet Union, United States. So we need to figure this out. Uh, we keep moving uh, and eventually run into the uh, Sanandisa gorillas. Um, and but but before that, we do run into our first time with this flying singing robot thing. I don't know how to describe this thing. It looks like the the flying um, like centuries that 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 uh, that fly around like in Metal Gear Solid Two, but in much larger scale. Yeah, yeah. Seventy four. They look a bit out of place. Yeah, uh, Snake's never seen anything like this before. Obviously, um, and he he's he he's slightly freaking out about it. Uh, and this thing's just, it's just flying and, and singing in an electronic robot voice. Um, but yeah. So, um, suggested ally himself with the Sanadisa gorillas. Okay. So, um, we go through some more areas. I mean, the, like I said, this is all broken down into missions. So it's like, Figure out uh, 
this, go here, blow up this, you know, follow this person. And they're all done through missions. And the missions don't necessarily seem as necessary here, but they were fantastic on the PSP. Because it really gave you the flexibility of each mission here only takes between, what, I would say three and 15 minutes, maybe? Yeah. You know, some of them are, are absurdly short. And some of them, you know, a bit more involved. But I don't think there's many that take more than 15 or 20 minutes at the max. Uh, maybe the boss fights. But, you know, it really gave you that option. And that was one of the goals, obviously, as this was a PSP game, was to sort of shrink down the required playtime so you don't have to spend an hour getting into it. Yeah, make it more uh, portable. Yeah, and, and, and that made sense then, and it worked then. It It's kind of more just a, a quirk of the game when you play it as a high-def version on the PS3 because it's absolutely unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, and to the point where it seems a little weird, where they'll break missions up to make it easier on you, the player, but they'll break up a mission at exactly the point where you would not expect a mission normally to be broken up. Yeah. Like, you'll go through an entire level, that'll be one mission, then the boss of that level is a whole separate mission, instead of ending the mission with a boss fight. It's right. just a separate mission here. Well, so they, strange. They, they do it in that sense because, much like a Monster Hunter game, when you decide to take on a boss, you can change your loadout. So, if I'm running around uh, sneaking against guys, I want my, you know, tranquilizer gun. But if I know I'm coming up on a boss mission, fuck the tranquilizer gun. I'm going with a rocket launcher. You know, it's, 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 it allows you to prepare. Now, granted, you could just say, we'll just give snake all the weapons like every other metal gear game, you know, just you know, hold down the, you know, hold down the, 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 you know, the right trigger and, and then cycle through, everything that he has in his inventory. Uh, but this one, they kind of break it down a little bit where you can't carry all your weapons. You can only carry two main weapons. And then you have some sub weapons like grenades and stuff like that. Um, so they break it down for that reason. But the other reason is because this entire game can be played co-op. And, uh, you know, if like, for instance, I know you had trouble with a boss and I was like, well, I'll just jump in and help you. You know, because if you have two guys, it's easier. You know, you can have up to four people helping you out sometimes in certain missions. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense for helping the player out. But the way the game sets it up is in between missions, you go back to the base. Like, conceptually, that's what's happening here, right? Yeah. You, 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 well, so you, you walk up to a boss, then leave, go back to a base... Then come immediately right back to the boss. I, I don't think that's the case as far as the story goes, um, obviously. But, yeah, essentially you're going back to the base. Uh, but You say return to the base, right? It's not getting communication with somebody who will drop you off some new weapons. It's that, go back to the base and grab those weapons yourself. That's true, but at the same time, I think that's just a game thing. Sure. Because no, I understand, but it it seems like in this case they've prioritized the game over what makes sense, basically. Yeah, logically in, in the universe. From from what I understand, 
the, I, I'm not certain because I've never finished this game. I I want to say this entire game, as far as the story goes, takes place in either one or two days. So Snake is not leaving via helicopter and going back to base and then coming back um, in between missions. He's he's just there. Um, but as far as a gameplay standpoint goes, they do break it up that way. So it does feel a little off-putting at times. Um, so yeah, um, let's see, your snake travels through the jungle to the northwest by passing a ravine and pressing through the swamp. He arrives at SF, or FSLN's boathouse hideout and neutralize the uh, occupying security detail before making contact with the hidden Senadises and their commandante, Amanda Libre. Um, Confirming that the security firm was indeed CIA, Amanda suspected that they were going to stage a coup similar to the one in Chile. Uh, Amanda claimed that their advanced hardware and multiple bases could not simply be to eradicate their group um, and something more imp- important must be occurring. She told Snake of a mercenary base in the north located in an abandoned factory which had once served as a front for a drug production plant provided by the KGB to help finance the revolution. A transport boat with mercenaries on board had also been heading upstream toward Izaru. Um, so we meet with Amanda, who is a pretty loyal soldier. Um, and uh, she uh, she's trying to lead her her commanders, or her, her, her compas, I should say. I don't even know what that translates to. I guess comrades. Yeah, I thought maybe it was. No, I probably should know. I haven't taken Spanish. I took three years of Spanish. You kidding me? <laughs> I don't know jack shit. But yeah, um, so she's she she's she's a a, a pretty well trained soldier as far as guerrilla warfare goes. Uh, both her and her brother. Um, are um, soldiers in this kind of resistance that's kind of being fronted by the KGB. They're kind of using them, to be honest with you. And um, she still can't find her brother Chico. Or no, Chico's with her at the time. What happens is the flying robot thing comes uh, while Snake's talking to her, and it kidnaps Chico. Just barely. Just barely. And uh, she runs off along with her compass. And Snake's like, well, I got to get I gotta get in contact with him. His contact was supposed to be her father. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. So now his contact is her. So we go into the next mission trying to locate Amanda who is trying to locate Chico, her brother. And, uh, let's see here. Uh, eventually we run, uh, back into her 
Um, and she almost gets kidnapped by the, um, by one of the flying things. So, so the, the big flying robot thing that we will probably fight eventually, um, it has other flying sentries around it. And one of them grabs a hold of, uh, Amanda and she, she wants to, you know, like you get the option. So, so uh, I should mention there's interactive cutscenes during this, um, during the, the comic book cutscenes, and you have to hit a button, um, and you can fail them and stuff like that. So, uh, in this one, we we actually have a rocket launcher, and we're supposed to shoot uh, the the sentry that's pretty much picking her up and, and carrying her away. Um, which we actually we actually have the option to shoot it or the big robot, um, which I shot the the thing that was carrying her. And um, yeah. but when you do try to shoot it, I think it has some kind of like a magnetic force field or something. That, makes rockets just kind of like ricochet. I've seen that technology before. Yeah. And uh, so we shoot the the thing that's carrying her. She falls pretty far and breaks her leg. And um, it flies off. She doesn't know where Chico is. Now she's... she's we get a bunch of... There's a lot of cutscenes that have people kind of depressed and stuff. Yeah, especially around this point. Yeah. She goes on her, her rant about, you know, Chico, at least let him keep his dignity if you find him. Yeah. And, you know, if, if he's about to squeal, put a bullet in his head. So, um, but Snake convinces her to go back to the mother base and help out his company. And she agrees. And so he sends her to mother base. Uh, and now we can use her to put in one of the categories of wherever you need her to. But unfortunately she is injured. So she's going to stay in sick bay for a while. So now snake, uh, has to find Chico because he promised Amanda he would. Uh, and then we come to our first boss, which is the, uh, I guess what, what is it? It's a, um, it's like a APC. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say this first one's not a tank. It's just like an armored personnel carrier. Yeah. And Drebin would. Yeah. Proud. Yeah. Just one of the Drebin's things. So, um, this one is kind of, I mean, so pretty much all the boss fights are kind of like this so far. Um, you're fighting something giant, and the best thing to do is hit it with explosives. Uh, and usually there are soldiers running around as well, and these guys are highly armored. Uh, shooting them in the head will do nothing. It will pop off their helmet eventually, and then you can hit them in the head. But uh, the interesting thing here is that you don't have to, and, and I think in this entire game, you don't have to take anything, you don't have to kill anything. So um, if you damage it enough, the captain will emerge from the, the top of it and try to shoot you with a machine gun. 
And if you kill the captain, then guess what? You get to take the APC back to home base. And now it's yours. So that's what I did. Yep, me too. And I'll say that, uh, you know, I, I know you've been playing these Metal Gear games trying not to kill anybody. Yeah. I've never really had that desire. But, you know, I'm just trying to get through them. But in this game, not killing somebody means you get to recruit them. And that is all the incentive I need. So be it the the guy driving around the APC or the, the elite guards where you pop their helmet off or a normal guard. Like, I go through this game trying not to kill people, at least until I get back to a corner. You know, I'll just I, – I, I, again, I love that recruiting aspect of this game because it gives me all that incentive to not kill people. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way except when it comes to boss fights. When it comes to boss fights, everybody's dying. That's that that's that's my mentality on it. If I'm just sneaking around, yeah, I'm not going to kill anybody. Um So with this one, I didn't really have much of a problem. I'd already got the law, which was a rocket launcher, and um I was able to take it out pretty easily. Yeah, I didn't have much problem with this first one. As soon as he popped out, I just tranked him. Yeah. Um, did that. And uh, we continue on. And we eventually make it to Chico. And we get yet another cutscene of Chico. People being depressed and Snake having to lift them back up. Uh, Chico, uh, unfortunately, talked and told them where everybody was and now he feels like a failure. So he wants snake to kill him and snakes like, fuck that shit. And he shoots a picture of him anyway. <laughs> yeah. I like his line. He shoots the picture. He's like, I wasted a bullet. Don't waste your life. Yeah. So, um, he recruits Chico and takes him back to the mother base uh, well, Chico's got some crazy stats if you've looked at that. Yeah, Chico is really good at intel, so I put him on the intel team. Yep. Um, and it's it's interesting how that how how they handle all that stuff. Um, because it, the, like you almost have to talk about it because of how much I actually do it. You know, just just like figuring out who should I put where. And it's 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 kind of it's kind of sad or not sad but it's kind of distracting almost sometimes when you you really want to focus on the story but then since the game breaks it up so much well I'm already at the mother base might as well like distribute these guys and then you know go research some weapons and stuff you can auto distribute them if you want you can but I that that is. To me, that is almost useless as far as like like. Th- there's other games that do that, like auto distribute your 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 skill points and shit like that, like in Dragon Age and stuff like that. I'm like, who the fuck does that? You know, I'm just like, who? Why would you do that it, when they give you this option, this huge complex thing? You know, obviously there's people out there who don't want to deal with that stuff, and I understand that. But with me. Being the big RPG player that I am, I'm like, yes, I want to get the most out of my guys. I want to, you know, cherry pick who and where and where to put them. And that, that, yeah, that's usually 
for a sake of time, I'm like somewhere in the middle. I usually auto assign everybody and then go through each list and say, all right, who, you know, if I want to beef this one up more than the others, then I'll move some people. But that way I only have to move select people instead of every single one. Yeah. So, um, after we recruit Chico, Chico does give us some pretty good information though. Uh, he tells us that, um, where the, the warheads are going, or the supposed warheads. Um, they're originally transported uh, through uh, um, trucks, then loaded onto a train, and then from the train, they go to a depot, and then are dropped back off into trucks, then pushed or, or, or drove into a tunnel going through the mountains. And nobody knows what's on the other side. Yeah, nobody's ever been on the other side. Nobody ever comes back alive from that. And it's because of a monster. La Basilisca. Yeah. And um, he he doesn't go into very much detail. He says a very tall uh, thing that roams the, the jungle. But he does have one, like, explanation slash cutscene, and it doesn't really look much like a giant lizard. No. The so, one might be able to imagine what it most likely is. Yeah, it looks like a Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just go ahead and get it out of there. So, uh, so um, uh, we uh, we decide to follow the tracks, follow the train, uh, and hopefully intercept the um, the nukes before they get onto the trucks and go into the mountain. So, making our way up to uh, the depot. Unfortunately, we get there and uh, they've already been loaded. And the trucks have quickly escaped, but then they know where we are because, oh shit, here comes a tank. A full-fledged tank this time. And it shoots the train car and fucking train car flips and Snake somehow jumps out of it in time. Yeah, a bit more firepower than the APC. Oh, definitely. And so now begins the second boss fight with the tank. Um, this was the first time I actually died. And this is also the first time where I realized... Or, no, n- before the tank. So you have to clear out the, 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 the train yard first from all the, the guys. I got killed by all those guys, and this is when I realized, ooh... This is kind of rough because that mission was probably about 20 minutes because you had to do a lot of you know, going through different areas and stuff. I died, and it starts you back at the beginning of that fucking mission. Wait a minute. No, it doesn't. Oh, yes, it does. When you die at the tank? No, not the tank. Before the tank, you had to take out the guards there, and then you get the cutscene where the tank came in, and it says, oh, continue in the next mission. The mission before the tank mission. Yeah, so you don't mean the guards that basically accompany the tank. No, not mean- no, not those. Okay. And so I died right there with those guards, and I had to start that whole mission back over. I was like, shit. Yeah. This, this is a hardcore Metal Gear game right here. Yeah, luckily, there's no saving. Yeah, luckily you can, you know, it's not, once you've done it, you know where to go and everything. So, um, but yeah, the tank fight was kind of rough. 
uh, to begin with. Uh, the way I figured it out was I needed to take out the guys first. So I took out all the guards first and then dealt with the tank. Um, and I was able to actually to take out the tank, um, without blowing it up and took out the, took out the commander there. So I got a tank now. That's what I did. My problem with this was that, you know, they, they tell you beforehand, if you haven't activated it, that you better bring in a supply drop. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't do that the first couple times. And so I would use all my grenades, use all my bullets. And then I had no way to damage the tank. And I'm like, I can't, can't progress. Hmm. So, uh, you know, and then it took me a couple tries to figure out how to use the supply drops. I had them sitting on the ground. I'm like, all right, drop it off anytime now. At one point, I laid like five different supply drops down. I'm like, all right, any day now. <laughs> I could use some bullets. <laughs> and uh, nothing happened. And then finally, at one point, I finally activated it and they dropped it. And I'm like, all right. And then, and then the funny thing is, it only took like four more bullets before the commander popped out. And then I was just going to use my, my trank gun anyway. <laughs> I was like four bullets short, and I could have beat it way earlier. Yeah, so it goes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I got the uh, I took out the tank and I uh, got it in my uh, on my base now. And um, now we have to figure out a way. We can't go through the tunnel because it's blocked off by a train car now. So we've got to find a way around the the mountain to where they possibly dropped off the nukes. So we uh, we had to backtrack a little bit, go through the original prison camp, and go back around. And uh, we we meet up. Um, where they have dropped off all the uh, the trucks. So all the trucks have been unloaded, and we have to figure out which truck it is. Now, this was kind of interesting, because did you get the right truck on the first try? Yeah, but I had, it was just, it was like 50% guess, and 50% this number seems familiar to me. So you got it on the first try? Yeah. <laughs> just barely, though. I was like, I basically had it narrowed down to two. I'm like, I know it's not any of these other ones because I would have remembered, like, one of them was 57557 or something. I'm like, I know it's not that one. Yeah. And uh, I ended up getting it, but it was like a, a coin flip in the end. You know, if you hadn't have done that, you could have got a lot of uh, funny stuff. So I didn't get it on the first try. In fact, it was the last one I got. I just randomly, I got the last one. I chose the last one because the first truck I checked. Um, it shows Snake opening the the like kind of like the, pulling the curtain back, <laughs> and uh, there's a man sitting inside one of the trucks, and he waves at Snake, and it says, "Mr. Kojima, yes, Hideo Kojima is there." And I was <laughs> I was able to recruit him, and now he is in my army. <laughs> oh, that's not right. I need Kojima in my army. Uh, I have Kojima in my army. Then there was another one where he pulls back the, the thing and it's a bunch of cogs, like cogs laying in a truck. And Snake goes, Metal Gears. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many of those. There, there was another one where it was a bunch of like little toys bouncing around and he, he yells something like sunburst or something. It's so weird 
Look that up on YouTube because it's ridiculous as shit. Um, But some of those are so ridiculous. But I finally found the right one. Uh, Unfortunately, the nukes have been unloaded and moved. um, So we have to make it farther into the base itself. So we're at the the entrance to a base. um, And so we're going to go in farther to, to possibly see if we can find these, uh, these nukes, uh, along the way, um, we do run into two people arguing. Um, and we find out that one of them is a man by the name of hot, cold man. A ridiculous name. I'm not making that up. That man's name is hot, cold man. And he is a, uh, you can tell he is obviously a big villain. Um, and he is arguing with a man in a wheelchair um, who has a very familiar voice that I think everybody will recognize immediately. And he looks an awful lot like a person that we know in the Metal Gear series. He looks a lot like Otacon. Uh, but this man's name is Huey. Uh, and I believe his name is Huey Emmerich. So I'm pretty sure this is Otacon's father. Oh, nice. So, um, but you made this, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but they're arguing because Huey is saying, I didn't, he, I developed this technology to be a deterrent against nuclear war. Uh, he's, and the uh, hot cold man, let's call him cold man. Uh, cold man um, is saying that we are going to use this as a deterrent after we launch a nuclear warhead because once we launch <laughs> one <laughs> yeah that's how you deter you basically say we have bombs we're not afraid to use them and then nobody will ever shoot at us again and like Huey is all pissed off by it. he said this is not what I wanted to make you know this is like he said the same way with his father his father helped but he was with the Manhattan Project and he's like, you know, my father despised the fact that it was used for destruction. And it's kind of the same way. Apparently all the Emmerichs have that issue. Uh, and <laughs> a cold man pushes him down some stairs. Uh, and a snake shows up and helps him up and uh, tells him who he is or kind of tells him who he's been. He's been lying to people about him being a fucking photographer. Yeah. Uh, and nobody would believe that man's a photographer. I like how he gets called out for like having a crappy camera with no like special telephoto lens. Yeah. And he's like, Ugh, if you're a real photographer, it's all about the reflexes. <laughs> he's such an idiot. Why would you why would you believe a man with a gun strapped to his back carrying a a, a fucking camera? But he has the eye patch and a bandana on, and he's in army fatigues. Why would you believe that guy is a bird watcher? But <laughs> so, anyways, it's, that's ridiculous and beside the point. But um, so while we're here, um, unfortunately, um, somebody apparently knows snakes here, and. Um, the uh god what is it um the poopa the god i couldn't remember what it was, what the name of it was for a minute there the poopa shows up which is an unmanned ai controlled 
robot. Uh, it's it's essentially a Metal Gear. Yeah, it kind of looks like the Shagohod, but advanced. Yeah, technologically more advanced than the Shagohod, um, and it is a very fast um, mobile unit. Uh, that snake is going to have to destroy. Luckily, uh, Huey is there to help him out because he helped design it. And so this is our first major boss fight of the game. Uh, and in this one, there are multiple things that we can do, particularly using um, explosives. Um, shooting it in certain areas will do certain things. So if you shoot in the treads, it can no longer kind of like dash punch. Um, it can still move, but it does stop it for a few seconds. But the thing we really want to hit is the big glowing red thing, the pod that is stationed on top of it. Hitting that will do a lot of damage um, and it will screw up its... It circuits some. And when you make it to a point where you've damaged it enough, it will fall over. And if you if you damage the pot enough, you can actually climb inside of it. And when you climb inside of it, you kind of go through a little mini game where you pull certain AI circuits out, uh, ones that are labeled. If you can pull out ones that are labeled, uh, you get them in your inventory. You take them back to Mother Base which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, but yeah, pull out as many as you can. You only have a certain amount of time to do that. Uh, and uh, once the timer runs out, uh, Snake jumps out of the pod. The entire thing blows up, and the pod ejects and flies into the air and flies away. Um, then Huey comes back. And uh, goes into a long spiel about how he developed this stuff to be a deterrent. Uh, but what Mr. Coldman is wanting to do is basically have an AI control the nuclear weapons for his... The, the nuclear weapons that he controls have them all be governed by an AI... Because an AI is now so advanced that it has the ability to determine if somebody is going to launch a nuclear warhead and who and who to retaliate against. And it can it can do it in such a, a manner of time that no that if he shot a nuclear warhead, there would be no retaliation because the AI would know who to shoot next. So and that that the whole the whole long thing is kind of convoluted to be honest with you. Uh, in fact, let me go to the wiki just to see if I can actually um figure this out. Uh, Poopa helped back into the wheelchair by Snake. Huey frantically told him of the impending nuclear launch. Rushing to the large open top hangar, Snake witnesses the removal of a tarp covered device by the unmanned VTOL aircraft accompanied by a hind d gunship a tank notably similar 
in appearance to the Soviet Shagohod, suddenly appears in the area and attacked Snake, equipped with an AI pod on its frame. Huey warned Snake that the vehicle was also an unmanned weapon, codenamed Poopa. Uh, with Huey's advice, Snake was able to defeat the Poopa and pull out, pull it out of commission, put it out of commission, excuse me. Uh, Huey later informed Snake that the Poopa was a prototyped AI weapon, similar to the VTOL aircraft, Crystallis. Chrysalis and a uh, thread, th- uh, threaded type known as the cocoon, uh, led by a disgraced former DCI hot man, hot cold man. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the security company operating within Costa Rica, known as the Peace Sentinel, uh, had used the Izaru facility. Uh, to develop AI weapons frames. The nukes that Snake had been pursuing are now loaded onto that the machine that was airlifted to the facility, codenamed Peacewalker. The bipedal machine was a mobile unmanned nuclear platform and the end result of the Peace Sentinel's AI research. So Peacewalker is essentially Metal Gear. Uh, the aim of the Peace Walker project was to develop an automated fail-deadly nuclear launch system, stealth-shielded from radar and satellites to evade any preemptive strike. Its purpose was to launch a retaliatory strike um, at an appropriate target without human input in the event of a nuclear attack, overcoming the inherent uncertainty in human decision-making. Huey had proposed that the weapon had a bipedal design in order to traverse the difficult terrain of Central America, where several units were to be deployed. Uh, Snake then realized that Peace Walker was the El Balisco that Chico had witnessed, and that Peace Walker was, an, in, was in, a sen- in essence a similar concept like Metal Gear that was described to him by Granin. 10 years ago. Uh, Though initially believing in the maintenance of peace through nuclear deterrence, Huey had been unwilling to allow Coldman to demonstrate the weapon's power by carrying out an actual nuclear attack. Demanding to know where the nukes were headed, Snake was told that they had been taken to the border and that the final test would take place in five days. Huey suggested that Snake locate another Peace Walker's AI researcher, a person by the name of Dr. Strangelove. I'm not kidding. Uh, Who had created the weapon's high-level decision-making AI, the Mammal Pod. Huey then considered abandoning his research, though Snake convinced him to join Outer Heaven instead. As part of uh, MSF's R&D team aboard Mother Base, agreeing to this, Huey speculated that with enough resources, MSF could build their own bipedal mechs to help thwart the Peace Walker project. So after this mission, you get the option to start developing your very own Metal Gears. Awesome. And that is where we end Snake knows what he has to do now. Uh, Peace Walker is not completely finished. Um, the brain to, to the AI of Peace Walker uh, has to be completed, and it is being completed by Dr. Strangelove. Uh, so Snake has to go to Strangelove's 
research facility at the border of Costa Rica and um, stop them. Because without Peace Walker's brain, Peace Walker can't launch a nuclear weapon. And that's where we end our discussion today. So Matt, how do you feel about Peace Walker? Um, well, where I stopped now, I think, is exactly where I stopped the first time I played, which was on the, the Pupa Battle. Uh, so I haven't experienced anything new yet, but again, I think technically like in a, in a, in a gameplay sense, this game is very, very strong. Yeah. There's not much that it does wrong. Uh, I think the, the boss battles could use a little bit more strategy perhaps. Yeah. It's mainly just running around and shooting it with explosives um, but other than that you know and there's I feel like I'm not really being as stealthy as other games you think so I just run right up to them and slam them into the ground they get up I slam them into the ground again and then I tie a balloon to their finger and lift them up into the sky yeah so, I mean, I, I am stealthy to a degree. I'm not running into each area. But basically, as soon as I get within 20 feet of a character, I just run right at him and then throw him into the ground immediately. Hmm. So, I don't know if that's a negative or not, but yeah, it's playing out certainly differently than the other Metal Gears. So maybe that aspect of it, the, the play part of it, I'm not sure I like quite as much as a traditional Metal Gear, mm-hmm. but when you add in all the rest of it, yeah, I'm 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 right back in love with the trying to capture people. And I, I remember I don't think they did it in this game, but I remember in the very first person you capture in Portable Ops, I think they give you a separate like set of cutscenes where that person goes back to the base. And they want to be let out, and then you basically break them down, and over time, you convince them to work for you. Yeah. And that's not in this game, so it almost doesn't really make sense that you would capture a guy, and then immediately they'd be there making you sandwiches in the mess hall. <laughs> like, this guy was just trying to kill you, and now, an hour later, he's making you breakfast. A little weird. Um, but, you know, again, they, they did have that in the first capture in Portable Ops. And then everybody else you capture just automatically went to the base. But they gave you that sort of conversion process on the first person. Right. But but that whole thing I'm still in love with. I, you know, I could... It's the kind of thing that I really like in a portable game because I could pick the game up and play for 20 minutes and not worry about having to figure out how to beat a boss or how to stealthily go into an area. You know, I might say, I'm just going to play this mission three or four times and try and collect... Ten or fifteen more people and add them to the, add them to the collection. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm having a good time with that. I'm really digging the the style again of the cutscenes and the the interactiveness of the cutscenes. So I, I don't know. I'm as of right now, I'm not. It's not terribly deep for me as far as the game itself. 
you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a little bit more into the story, getting some new parts of the story. Yeah. Uh, but I could sit here pretty much and play it all day, just collecting people. Do you feel like this is a Metal Gear Light? Yes, I, I would say probably, uh, again, because the gameplay is a little less demanding. But also, again, we mentioned this right before we started recording, but you're not getting the intense weirdness of Metal Gear, per se. Yeah. You know, this isn't Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear 4. This follows on the heels of Metal Gear 3, which makes it a, the story a bit more straightforward. You know what you're trying to do. You've got your good reasoning for doing it, your altruistic reasons, and that makes it a simpler game story-wise. So when you combine that with a simpler gameplay, then, yeah, I mean, I think you could legitimately call it Metal Gear Light. Hmm. Yeah, I'm enjoying what I'm playing of it so far. Um, I I haven't made it to the point where this is all new to me. I remember this... um, I think the next boss fight is where I stopped. I can't remember exactly, mm. but I don't know. It's um, it's interesting. It, it's most certainly a different game compared to the other games we've played so far. Oh yeah, um, but I don't know. I, I, I so far I'm 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 having a decent time with it. It's uh, it's interesting to say the least. Uh, I think um, I think it's one of those things where either. You know, you're okay with it, or you're kind of like, ah, I'm not feeling this game. Um, which we'll get into because we do have an email. We have an email from Jamie. Uh, this email says, um, Hi, guys. I didn't get very far this week, but I'd like to give you my first impressions of the game. I know you mentioned before that this is a very different format. I think that's both good and bad. Uh, It's good because it's kind of fresh and new, especially with the comic book feel. But it's also pretty choppy, and I'm finding it hard to keep going on in little missions, in all the little missions, excuse me. Uh, I think that's because it's a PSP game, though. I imagine they kept the mission short and sweet for a reason, but I still find every time I have to return to Mother Base that I just want to turn it off. It no, was, so you have to think of it as every time I get to go back to Mother Base. Yeah. I get to go distribute my, my guys <laughs> and then mess around in R&D and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that, that is really the big difference. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, it also ruins the feel... Of uh, the game to stop you mid-mission, like you were, like when you encounter the armored vehicle, you get this. This battle is to be continued. Message uh, making it feel even more slow is the fact that you have to assign guys to different areas and develop weapons and food. Even I find I'm just not interested in doing that when I could be following the storyline. But they almost force you to do it because if you don't, your guys will defect or you won't upgrade weapons. See, I think I would have liked that anyway. But the fact that it also builds into the story of you putting together Outer Heaven, yeah, gives you an even like gives me at least an even more 
in-game reason for spending that time doing it. Yeah. And I yeah, I can totally see if you're not digging it that it would suck to get pulled out of the missions. But for me, when I leave a mission, I'm like, yes, I get to go back to the base. And then, you know, it's so quick that I, I assign those guys, I do what I need to do, and I'm like, all right, on to the next mission. And it's sort of like as soon as I'm done with one part, I'm excited about the next part. And then as soon as I've done the mission, I'm excited to go back to the base. And uh, it sort of keeps like ping-ponging back and forth. So I, I never get like bogged down in the missions or bogged down even in the in the base because you only spend a couple of minutes there at a time. That's true. So, I mean, I could see I could see it going either way on that aspect. So, um, Matt, you're going to have to help me out with this one because I don't know exactly what she's talking about here. Um, she said, I really hope they explain Big Boss's scar because if the only reason is it's there to remember the boss, then it's creepy. I use the word creepy a lot when I play these games, but I'm using it as an endearing fashion. What scar is she talking about? Hmm. Jamie, you're going to have to explain to me what scar you're talking about because I I, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Unless I missed something in a cutscene somewhere. I can't, I don't know. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> I'm a little worried that my disinterest in the game is because I've got what you guys call Metal Gear Fatigue, as Ken suggested, might happen during a marathon like this. But I'm going to hang in there because I really want to play the Phantom Pain. And I don't want to miss the setup. I'm definitely starting to feel like I'm trudging through at this point. I swear I'm not just being contrary and disliking Big Boss just because. I just don't find his character that interesting. Not giving up Jamie. And then after I read that email, I sent her a couple of uh, tweets about it. And then she sent up another follow-up email. Saying, okay, okay, okay. I have to explain a bit. That last email was very was really sad. I don't hate Big Boss. I don't even really dislike the guy. I get it. He's not the bad guy. But I don't find him as fun to play. After thinking about it, maybe it's because he doesn't have friends. Maybe Miller <laughs> maybe Miller will become his Otacon. Solid always had someone who he was working with. Merrill, Otacon, Raiden, and so forth. But Big Boss is always a loner. The only time I enjoyed playing him was the ending of Metal Gear Solid 3 when he and Eva spent pretty much the last third of the game together. So maybe that's it. He isn't interesting unless he has someone with him. I don't know. I can't explain it. I'm really hoping that the game makes him more interesting. I think if Miller plays a bigger part, it will be better. I'm just having a hard time getting into this game is all. So yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. This is one of those games where you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. Oh, God. I'm looking at the tweets now. It says, how come I have to have a rocket launcher when I'm naked but a machine gun when I'm dressed? (laughs) And now she's got a pink outfit. Also, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Okay. Uh, But, yeah. um, I don't know. It's... um. Yeah, this is a very interesting game. I think it's 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 most certainly very different from any other Metal Gear game. Uh, you know, not everybody's gonna like that, and maybe maybe you are feeling Metal Gear fatigue. I don't know. 
Um, I'm not really feeling the fatigue though for me. Yeah, not, especially on this game because it's it feels so much different. It yeah. feels like a new thing to me. I mean, and sure it's Metal Gear, but it's Metal Gear in the good ways, and it's all these new things to play with, new toys to inject life into the Metal Gear. Yeah, I mean, plus I've never finished this game, so I have no idea how it ends. Yeah, I think next week I'll have a lot better assessment of how I feel about it because everything I've done so far this week has just been reminding myself of what I was doing the last time I played it. Yeah. So I haven't gotten to the new stuff. I haven't really sunk into even the mother base stuff yet because it's all been just the basic, not all tutorial type things, but it's all the superficial things. Like I've just been setting up each new group. I haven't really dove into what each group can give me. It's, it's, it's been, you know, Oh dude, you haven't even started yet. I know. There, yeah. There, so, there's, there's more to this. After you finish the Poopa battle, that's when you get to send your guys in the combat part on missions themselves. Yeah. And they can yeah, fight so enemies. And portable ops. Yeah. And they fight enemies and come back with either new recruits or if they lose, some of them die or get injured. It's crazy, man. Dude, I spent so much time just doing that shit. That's one yeah. of the reasons why I never finished this game. Yep, it's like, same thing with the blobs for me. Yeah, it's the same it's the same way. Like I mentioned it uh off the show last week, but talking about uh Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars, which I played on the th- on the, the DS. Yep. I played so many hours of that game just doing the drug dealing. Didn't even play Grand Theft Auto. I went around town selling drugs to people because it was this crazy little meta game thing. Where, you know, you get a text message saying, hey, a bunch of college students want some ecstasy, you know, on, on Fifth Avenue. So I drive over to Fifth Avenue with some X, get some money, and now some guy wants some cocaine. So it was so, and I, I got so addicted to that. I, I guarantee you I put 10 hours just in the drug dealing. And I guarantee you I put probably at least five or six hours just in the base management in Peace Walker. Guaranteed. So it was. It's. It's. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's either going to grab you or it's not. You know. Yeah, and I have to see if it's. You know, it definitely did before, but that was also the first time I had done something like that, and it was on the PSP where I hadn't, you know, been as engrossed as you might in a in a full scale game. So, you know, I'm really waiting to next week to see if the story grabs me, to see what the new areas bring me, to see what the base can do for me. And to see if I still want to do those things sitting on my couch as much as I used to want to do them on my PSP. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, this is this is all this episode right here is pretty much all just us getting familiar with it again because we have played it before. But next episode is when we're really going to get into new stuff that I've never seen before. So I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. Uh, and I don't know where to stop. Like at the end of the poop battle is the end of chapter one, so I need to figure out the the fact that we're going by doesn't break it down into chapter one, chapter two. It just breaks it down, and I can't figure out like where this stuff ends. So I need to look at another fact or something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when I found that when I find that out, I'll let you know. But um. But yeah, we that that's pretty much it for us. Um, you can send me an email. It's uh, Drew at ZTGD.com. 
uh, talk to us about Peace Walker, talk to us about, you know, Metal Gear Solid 5, you know, speculations and stuff. I have heard, um, in fact, there's some news that came out of Gamescom, uh, about Peace, or not Peace Walker, but, uh, The Phantom Pain. The base building is back in that game. And, uh, every guy you recruit starts out in the brig. And you, and you have to break them down. The other thing is, is that other players can steal your guys. They can come in and recruit guys from your base. Oh, man. And make them defect. So people on your friends list can see, you know, how you're doing with your base and steal from your base. Oh, man. I can't wait. That's going to be a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> Cause I'm gonna oh if I get into it, man. Somebody starts stealing my shit. I'm gonna be like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you, man. We're gonna go to war. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. And uh, yeah, you can leave us an iTunes review. Uh, I'll read it on the show. We haven't got one in a long time, but that's okay. Um, yeah, that's it for us. I know we, uh, we did a lot of discussions. Um, I guess we're going to be doing persona four next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know what? I, when you brought that up, I, I immediately thought, how the fuck am I going to play this game? I still have the PS two. I still have my PS two copy. I don't have a PlayStation two. So I'm flirting around the idea of going ahead and getting a PS2 because I kind of want one anyway. Um, or the other one being buy a PlayStation TV and then buy the Vita version of Persona 4. Oh, yeah. And play it on my TV. I'm not buying a Vita. so. Well, yeah, I haven't bought a Vita or a Vita TV. I just guess it's just called PlayStation TV now, right? Yeah, it's PlayStation TV, I think. And I think that the PlayStation TV is probably all the Vita I would need anyway. It is. From what I understand, there's only a very small select few games that won't play on the PlayStation TV. Um, But I know Persona 4 does work. I know Soul Sacrifice works, which was another game I was interested in playing. Um, so yeah, that may be a viable option because, for what I understand, you can get a PlayStation TV for ninety nine dollars. Yep. Um, and then I had to buy Persona, which I don't. I the last thing I would worry about is spending money on Persona because I fucking love that game. Yeah, every penny you spend on Persona is a penny well spent. Yeah. And it will be viable because, uh, you know, Persona 5 comes out probably next year. They're claiming that it's still going to come out in December of this year, but I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe it either. No, it may be, de- I- may be December for Japan, but not for us. Suspiciously little about it, even though, you know, it's probably one of the games I would be the most hyped for. Oh, absolutely. But I haven't yeah. heard anything about it. I, I've I've seen gameplay of it, and I've seen they've they've explained a little bit. Apparently, you play as burglars. Like, funny funnily enough, I think you have a cat in your party, 
and you're supposed to be cat burglars. I do like to burgle. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know. It, I think they 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 may still go to school. I don't know. You know, all the Persona games have always had kids going to school. So I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I like. I I don't know much about. It. I've seen just a trailer. Along those lines, the one Mega Ten game I've always wanted to play but never have is Nocturne. Yeah, Nocturne. I played Nocturne. That's um. That was the one that had Dante in it. From Devil May Cry. Yeah, from Devil May Cry. Yeah. Um, I played that. I played, I have Devil Summoner 2. I played Devil Summoner 1, I believe. Uh, and then I played a lot of the 3DS games, like Devil Survivor and Devil Survivor 2. Uh, I also have Strange Journey. Uh, those are some old school games. Uh, some of them are, but they're all different in that way. See, all the, the, the Shimagami Tensei games, the, the, there's a lot of them that are alike, but each game is different in some way. Um, they have a lot of variety in them, but yeah, it's it's interesting how they how they handle that stuff. I'm I'm curious to see how Persona Five is going to turn out, uh, and yeah, if we're going to do Persona Four, I'm totally down for that. Yep, me too. So, I will find a way to play it. But that's it for us. I do appreciate everybody listening. I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, we will be back next week. But until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we are out of here. And we will be back next week with the continuation of Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. <laughs>